Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for Season 2, Episode 1. This is going to be an exciting new adventure for the 5th Trooper, but before we start our episode, I'd like to let you know that thanks to Firelock Games and Mike, we're going to be giving away a copy of Oaken Iron Core Set. We're really excited about this. If you want to be entered to win, go to thefifthtrooper.com slash giveaway, and good luck. Now enjoy Season 2, Episode 1. Welcome to the 5th Trooper Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 5th Trooper Podcast. My name is Jay Shalansky. My co-host is Evan Bullris. Evan, say hello. Hey, how's it going? And this week, we're very excited to have with us Mike Tunez from Firelock Games. How's it going, Mike? It's going good, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So yeah, definitely. Th yeah, this kind of um, was kind of organic because Evan and I were just like messing around on one of our our earlier podcasts season one this is now season two of the fifth trooper podcast we used to do mostly legion but now we're trying to expand and talk about all kinds of games and so a few episodes ago we were just like shooting the breeze talking about how much we love pirates and sea of thieves and i think evan mentioned uh your game oak and iron that he had seen on like a google search and then all of a sudden, we started looking more into it. You you contacted us, and you were like, "Oh, hey, that's my game." <laughs> so, uh, so this has been great. So I'm really happy to have you on. Yes. Yeah, so it's been you know I play I, I enjoy Legion very much, but I'm uh, like I think like many people, I play lots of different games, especially in my case for research. That's at least that's what I tell my wife. Um, <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> But Legion is a game we play here pretty often, and it's uh, I, I kind of like Fantasy Flight's uh, approach at developing games, uh, miniature games in particular. Not, I'm not always a fan of the crazy amount of components, but other than that, I do like a lot of the stuff they do. So, and, and as, well, as I'm sure we'll talk about, there's some influences from Legion into the uh, into the uh, into Open Iron. Yeah, and and you know, I think mostly, uh, you know, I wanted to say that you know, mostly today we're going to be talking about Oak and Iron. Um, but you guys have another game, uh, Blood and Plunder, and you know I think I, you know, I want to make sure we talk about that. At least just mention it that it's out there. But you know, maybe another podcast we can have uh, you back on for Blood and Plunder. But like today, you know, Oak and Iron, um, it's kind, you know, it kind of struck us. I think Evan was searching for pirate games, and you came upon it, Evan, because you yourself said it kind of looked like X-wing but with pirate ships, right? <laughs> so. How I how I came across it was I was um, we were playing a lot of Sea of Thieves and then I'm like hey I remember seeing this pirate miniatures game at Nova the Nova Open like three years ago I want to say two or three I think it was um, two yeah yeah and I remember that you were on like the second uh, one of the second levels and I was in between rounds of a game and I had meant to go back and I just forgot and I was kicking myself for not doing it. So I just typed in like pirate miniature game you know to Google and, like <laughs> roll those dice see what we get. And then yeah, we'll uh, definitely get blood and plunder if you search for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no. So I got that, and then uh, you know I was just on the banner of your site. It's like Oak and Iron. I'm like, well, tell me more. And then I took a look at it, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is uh, also exactly like what I'm looking for, like a a small skirmish based um, ship combat game that uh, can be played in like an hour or right. so. Like that's mm -hmm. that's pretty pretty excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely has a lot of. Um, similarities to x-wing uh, in not so much in gameplay 
It's like templates and stuff, right? But yeah, and more in the more in the way that it's a prepackaged game. I kind of yeah. fell in love with that idea when I first saw it in, uh, I think Wings of Glory would have been the first game that did that. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeez. Then, um, okay, yeah, yeah, which is basically a predecessor to X Wing. Yeah, um, and th- those games are pretty similar. They they have a lot, you know, the, the pre planning and all that stuff. But um, I, I kind of love that idea because one of the things about miniature games that could be a bit intimidating is that is that entry point, right? Like all the hobby aspect, all the stuff you got to put together and build and paint and do all these things, right? So these games that are kind of all everything you need in one box, you'd never have to buy another thing if you don't want to. Kind of is was super cool to me. I think that's a, I think it's a, I think it's a big deal, and I like the direction that's going. No, for real. I mean, the amount of cardboard you get in this box, even alone, uh, like the mat, which is pretty excellent quality for uh, like one of the uh, paper mat that comes with, and then all the islands, which I. So on the mod, I kind of assumed there was just stuff in the TTS mod that was not in the box, uh, just as like a cool thing you could play with. But no, it's like loaded with uh, like ton of ships, ton of cards, and all the islands and everything. It was really surprising how much you were able to get in there. Yeah, we got in. We squeezed in as much as we could. That's for sure. <laughs> So kind of if you if you wouldn't mind, like walk us through. So we have talked in the past um, a few years ago, I think it's about two or three. It'll be three this summer. You know, I tried to kickstart a board game and I went to Gen Con and I went to their the play testers um, uh, side room, you know, and, and had a seat there and was testing the game and you know, did all this stuff and, and the Kickstarter ended up failing. But, you know, we've talked a number of times on the podcast of kind of that whole process that I went through. So I was hoping, you know, maybe you could kind of walk us through a little bit of the process that you went through from saying, hey, I really like X-Wing, Wings of Glory, and I want to kind of do this, but with, you know, old-timey, historically accurate, I think as you guys uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. put, put it, historical naval tactics in the age of piracy. Uh, yeah. You know, what, where, kind of walk us through that process of like the inception of, I want to do this, but as, as a naval game through right. to, you know, delivery. So by the time we got to Oak and Iron, we had already run two successful Kickstarters for Blood and Plunder. Okay. So we were, we were pretty well versed in how it went. Yep. We also at the time, so the, the, the Kickstarter we had done before that, which was No Peace Beyond the Line, which was a, an expansion for uh, Blood and Plunder, really big, massive expansion. We kind of overdid it quite a bit. Um, but none of us who started this company had any experience whatsoever in this industry. So mm. we kind of hobbled stuff together and, and learned a lot of lessons along the way as far as what yeah, happened. So, yeah. so we were, we were, we were kind of hurting from the other Kickstarter because we had all kinds of delays and problems and and a lot of stuff ended up being a lot more expensive than we thought, so we were kind of hurting. So we said, let's um, let's we had to go a little lighter on this next project. So we didn't go into it as hard as we did uh, with Blood and Plunder, the initial game that we kickstarted, in which we uh, you know we had some investments, some investment capital that people that people put into our business. So we were able to mm-hmm. use that to get started in order to buy some advertising in crucial places. So we had the main thing we did to to get people looking at our games is um, our, our basic formula is to just take some really nice pictures that draw you in and then give a pretty try to give an in-depth explanation of the vision of the game how it the, what you can expect from it mechanic wise and stuff like that because there's uh, I think there's a lot of people who will buy in purely on the eye candy and there's a lot of people who look for more substance 
and uh, and want a game that's actually going to work, right? And you and right. no, that's a common complaint on Kickstarter is you get these gorgeous games and there's kind of nothing on the other end, right? Yeah. So, um, so well, we and tried I, to alleviate that. Yeah. And I would assume too, like for, you know, just to talk to blood and plunder, Mm -hmm. I feel like for you guys, that was probably a little bit faster of a success if I would guess because of the models, right? Like people love miniatures. And so it seems like any Kickstarter that has miniatures in it, uh, there's a good chance it's going to go off because people are like pirate miniatures at 28 millimeters. Absolutely. I'm in. And then they just, yeah, (laughs) for sure. And we made the mistake. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a mistake, but, um, but we went with metal because Mm. we, we had, when we did blood and plunder, we had, we really did not expect to get the success that we did. We expected to, you know, maybe make 75, 80,000 on our Kickstarter, just enough to kind of get going and make our metal molds and stuff like that. Yeah. But once we actually got through and, you know, we did like four times that, Holy we God. were like, man, because we, the, the, we wanted to do plastic, but what intimidated us was the cost to start it up. We're like, man, we had to, we'd have to raise our, our original funding goal for Blood and Thunder was $12,000, which was way too low. But, uh, <laughs> hmm. but it would have had to be like probably more like 80000 uh, which we would have hit no problem had we known, but it would have made our lives a lot easier. I'll tell you that going forward. But, but the metal's cool. A lot of people like it, and now we're going to move into plastics in that project, and it's going to make it, um, it's going to make it more accessible. And the metal will still be there for the people who like metal, because a lot of people do. You get that from a lot of people; they like the metal models. So, um, but I think I'm ranting on this point. But anyway, no, 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 <laughs> no you're it's, fine. But, it's, uh, I, I want to hear this. Yeah. So, I this is the stuff I'm interested in, and you know, we'll absolutely talk about oak and iron and the gameplay and all of that but this is this is like my like jam is talking about this stuff and you know um talking about like pro manufacturing processes and stuff like that so this is like i'm really excited um but yeah i mean it, it, it's funny too because i think um and i don't know how you guys felt when you did your first kickstarter but i think a lot of people myself included are like okay i got this game i mean i you know like i think i checked probably half the boxes off that I thought needed to be checked off and was like, okay, I've got pricing. I've got this. I know what my costs are going to be. I know, you know, and I like, I did all the, like the, the back work as far as shipping costs and manufacturing costs and how, you know, what I could realistically get out. But then what I missed was kind of like the building of a community. community. Yeah. Yeah. Super important. Yeah, for sure. We realized that kind of by accident early on. Um, so we, so we, we investigated promoting through Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And we tweaked that algorithm and tried to get the right crowd looking at our stuff. And we were just promoting the fact that we we're launching this Kickstarter on Facebook and we had people get interested and create a group for the game, right? People who were excited because yep. right? at the time that blood and plunder came out, there was no other thing like it really. There's been some other sort of pirate miniatures games, but they were never fully supported with a model range and ships and everything else, you know? Uh, and they were, all of them, I think, are out of print at this point. Um, but as far as I know, anyway, at least the, the ones with the ships and everything else. So what, so what we did was pretty unique. So a lot of people were excited about it, and they created this Facebook group. And that's the face, same Facebook group that we have now that continues to. We have, uh, like, over 5,000 members at this point. Yeah. But the, um, that, fun, that, that group... Where we we ended, we all joined that group and we ended up you know we were communicating there and sharing stuff there, and that group ended up being the foundation of that Kickstarter. Yeah. So that was 
And from that group, it spread because people were excited and they wanted their friends to back it and they wanted it to grow. They wanted to get the stretch goals and everything else. So, um, so we kind of stumbled upon that. And that was the, uh, I think that was the thing that really made the project successful. Uh, that and the fact that it was, it looked good. It was well, it looked polished. It looked put together. We had, you know, we had a really good idea of how the game was starting. We had gameplay videos and we had everything else. We ended up tweaking quite a bit as we went on because we didn't know what we were doing. But uh, we did the same thing We got all the pricing and everything else. We were wrong on all of it. Um, yep. <laughs> so we thought we had everything together and we were not. We did not. But um, that project went together pretty well with the exception of uh, book printing, which we basically we ended up getting a massive delay on our books. Hmm. Uh, the We... There was a, there was a bunch of issues going back and forth with editing and, and things disappearing from parts of the book, and then we had to we ended up having to print it. Uh, we had we did a print run in China, but then we ended up having to do a local print run, like out of panic, just because we really didn't want to be late, right? Because we made such a big right. deal about that at, that at that time. Like we like we have to deliver in December. That's the date we said we're gonna deliver. So we did <laughs> right, ship right. our first orders uh, in December. <laughs> so next, <laughs> we finished in January, but so we were less than we were only a so. I don't know. I guess you could look at that as maybe a week or two late because I think we finished everything we could do after, um, in the in the states anyway. And then we shipped to the U to to uh, to overseas after, which was uh, another mistake. We should have shipped the UK stuff first and then shipped the US. But everybody gets it at the same time, which you know, we learned that on the second the second time around. So <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, and I mean that's the funny part. Like, I think um, you know, if if for the listeners, if you're like a up and coming budding creator and you want to put out a game, um, it, it, there's I guarantee, if you think you've thought of everything, you haven't. Absolutely. There's a yeah. There's like a hundred things you don't even know about. A hundred. Um, a hundred minimum. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, that you're going to find out, uh, you know, b- baptism by fire, because the it's just, you know, I, like I said, I went into it with all these ideas. It sounds like you guys went into it with all your ideas. And then, and then there's like these things that pop up and you're like, oh crap, I didn't even, I didn't even think that that was a thing. Yeah. And, and the thing that we, we added an extra level of crazy on it because we did our own manufacturing for the majority of it. So our ship oh, wow. resin cast. Yeah, and uh, originally we did all the parts for the ships, like all the rigging and the cannons and everything. A lot of that is still metal, but uh, the rigging is all wood now, like laser cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did all of our own resin casting. We spun cast the metal models. We bought all the equipment. We set up a, a warehouse. We hired employees. We, did, you know, we took a, we took it to a whole other level. So um, that's amazing. Had we done it all in plastic, it would have definitely been a lot easier on that front. But I'm sure we probably would have taken a lot longer. We probably would have. And we probably would have been like a year late had we done it in plastic. So that's kind of the yeah. reason that I kind of glad we did it in metal and, and resin. But um, but although at this point, plastic would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I think you you kind of all those lessons that you took from from Blood and Plunder, I you know, it, it seems like you've poured into oak and iron. And man, I could tell you. So I opened, uh, you know, I I picked up a corset from you guys and man i opened that up and like evan said like not only the quantity was in there but the way it was packaged the way it was put together was just really top notch and so like i i think as a gamer um we appreciate that level of you know commitment to how this thing is packed right well thanks yeah we um we took quite a bit so 
one of the things one of the things you'll notice right that's different this is not so much about the way it's packed but it always i always think about this is uh like one thing different from x-wing one thing i don't like about the way fantasy flight for example or other games like that where all the bonuses the upgrades stuff like that mm-hmm. you got to buy all the expansions which of course is very which is a very smart thing to do for marketing purposes and to get yeah, right. <laughs> but we basically got all the all the uh, upgrade cards and all the extras and all that stuff they typically get spread out throughout different things and we just put it all in the core set which i'm sure you notice you have a, a gigantic yeah. stack of uh, upgrades in the in the box um, and then we wanted to have one of the things that I always felt lacked with a lot of these core sets is they give you everything except a play surface, which to me just takes away from all these cool models that you mm-hmm. have ready to go, but no play surface. So we wanted to have a surface. So we did the paper mat, which we had a, a guy by the name of Chris Strecker designed for us, which he did an excellent job. It looks really nice. Um, we have people asking for us for neoprene versions all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but and uh we wanted the map we wanted to make sure there's plenty of terrain that you don't need to get like and we wanted to have enough ships in there so you can play a decent game not just a bare minimum kind of game right so yeah the idea being a the box should be like an all-in-one experience if you never want to buy anything outside the box you really don't have to you can play quite a bit and get quite a bit of variety out of the main box well and i think that's tough you know i i know like evan and i struggle sometimes like you're you want somebody to pick up a game and you're like, okay, so you need to get this. But unless you want to do this, then you need to get that. Or you have to do – you know what I mean? And you're like trying to explain to them uh, the intricacies of how how to build this game in the way they want. And I, I like the idea of what you're talking about here where it's just like, nah, just go get the core set. You'll be fine. Exactly, yes. And the core set is – the core set is designed really for one person to have everything they need to play against another person with a core set. But it's also designed at the same time to be a two-player set. So you've got a, you've got more than enough in there to play a fifty point game, you know, which is the smallest scale we play it at, um, and play it fully with upgrades and everything. The only catch being you have to share the initiative cards, right? That's something yeah. that's a gripe we get occasionally. But um, I figured those are the ones that would be that you'd want to have doubles of the least, with the exception of if you're sharing it with somebody. But either way, there's still plenty in there to choose from. You just gotta, you know, there's I think there's sixty something of them. So, yeah, there's quite a few. Again, like when I when I opened the TTS mod first before I got the box, I thought this was just a culmination of uh, like I'm used to different cell models that are just you've got to buy like you want to play as a pirate, so you've got to buy the pirate expansion, right? Like you don't get normally the core sets of most games come with all the generic stuff. So mm-hmm. when I had like the English, the French, the Spanish, the Dutch, and I'm like, oh well, those must be the expansions for each of those factions, right? Not uh not all in one so like when i was opening up the box i was really surprised that um it came with all that so i could buy this make like a dutch fleet and then if i didn't want anything else like i'm good right like that's that's super cool correct and now the only thing you would really need if you wanted to play like the the box is set up for playing kind of privateer pirates sort of engagements you don't get any Mm -hmm. warships in there you're mostly getting with the exception of the petite frigate you're mostly getting kind of merchantmen and, and privateer sort of ships then if you want to take it more into the naval side of things, right, with ships of the line and having larger battles, that's when you want to expand. But I think that's kind of a logical progression, right? You start off with the smaller, more confined, easier to run ships, and then you move on to the bigger, more powerful lumbering things. And that's kind of, a, to me, a natural progression of growing into the game. Yeah, and I think it's easier for people to grasp, right? So yeah. that you're 
like if I, if I'm trying to enter or myself, when I, you know, I haven't touched the game yet because I kind of wanted to ask blind questions on this. Evan's played, but when Evan goes to teach me, like it's much, it'll be much easier to teach on that simplified level than like, oh, well, this is a man of war. This does a hundred other things, (laughs) you know, that, that these little ships don't do. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's kind of walk through the game. So, it the uh initial game that comes in the box is on a three by three similar to x-wing size map and you said 50 points armies for two players to play so kind of walk us through what's the largest play size that we can get to and what's the like what do you have like a point system of what's like a typical max army or or you know uh naval uh that you can you can build navy that you can build yeah so you can play as big as you want really um there's no we played uh when we first got our boxes in and i painted a bunch of ships and my buddy rufus levon who helps us out with a bunch of shows and stuff he painted a bunch of ships so we each painted a fleet we each painted about uh, 20 odd ships aside and we played it on a uh, i think it was a six by five or something like i think it was no six by four six by four we played on a six by four and we got about 40 something ships on the table. And that was uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of like, I think 600, 800 points. Holy cow. Um, and we were recreating like a historical battle sort of loosely. And uh, just, I didn't have a lot of time to prep it. So I just kind of found a battle, got a general <laughs> idea. Yeah, it'll work. Okay, so put it on. Yeah. So, um, so we set that up, we played that. And you know, that was, we had, I think we had, I want to say 10 players. Um, okay. I don't remember exactly, but we had quite a bit of players. And uh, from start to finish, I, I kind of messed up and started them a little too far apart. But start to finish took us about four hours. Yeah. It was longer than usual, I think, for that kind of game because I started them too far apart because the board was a little too wide, I think, for the way we set them up. But it worked out anyway, and we had a conclusion. So, um, But that would be like kind of the upper end, right? You're playing about yeah. 20, 30 ships a side. It's probably about where it caps out, which is probably maybe – I would, I would Wager 800 points. I don't know off the top of my head. But what's in the rule book uh, will give you three scales to play with a single squadron, so a side. And there's there's basically 50 points. Hang on, I, I always forget what I actually called these things. I named them. I put the rule book right in front of me because I knew I'd be referencing it. We have a patrol. A patrol is a 50-point game, right? So uh, that that's uh, small pirates, privateers, coast guards, etc. Then you have a skirmish. So skirmishes, you could have some of the larger ships start to come into play. So you could have a larger ship as part of your fleet combined with some smaller ones, you know. And that's uh, four to eight ships, 100 points. Uh, then we have an engagement, which is more of a full squadron, kind of all warships fighting each other. Um, and that's a, on a three by four, we play that. And that goes up to 200 points, and you could have five to ten ships aside. And uh, at that point, you're not going to be able to really handle playing pirates because they're just going to get shot out of the water by first-rate ships of the line because mm-hmm. their pirates are limited to the smaller ships only, unfortunately for them. So, so we try to stick because, you know, as, as you mentioned, we try to stick to the reality of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of historical games have a bad rap for being kind of stuffy and uh, a little boring mm-hmm. and not having, you know, not really uh, doing a good job teaching you kind of the, the the fun side of history so we try to avoid that i think we've done a good the vast majority of the people playing uh this game are not necessarily historical gamers at least not exclusive. right so we, we definitely have i think we've done a good job with that so far uh in fact there's a 
there's a historical page that's pretty well known that I pop into once in a while just to see what's going on. I can't actually post on it because I don't know how their accounts work. So I won't name it because it's not fun. <laughs> uh, but there's somebody who made a post. Hey, I played this Oak and Iron game. It's pretty cool. I've um, never heard of it. And everybody else, like, apparently nobody's heard of it. Nobody posted about it. But, you know, it's um, we try to be realistic and historical without, mm -hmm. we don't think we have to compromise history to make a fun game. And there's, there's a lot of opportunities to learn stuff. Interesting yeah, stuff about the way ships work and everything, because as you play the game, you're going to see certain things that you may have tried in certain video games, like that you've talked about often on here that I won't bring up. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, um, you know, so, some of those things don't really work in real life. <laughs> I I don't know what you're talking about, sir. We are nothing but a historical podcast here. This is. <laughs> well, it's um, funny you say that because I go. Uh... Like I'll start calling out the rules of the like rules of oak and iron, like how shots work. I'm like, oh, they're gonna get a raking shot on us if we don't turn hard enough right now. Like, uh, <laughs> like I've been reading the the manual pretty well. So, like, what I'll say about the manual is, at first, when you're looking in and you don't have any concept of how the board's laid out, as soon as you get to like the uh, uh, the movement with the wind, you're like, what the heck is going? Like the uh, right, either you're full with the wind or you could be into the eye of the wind. Um, but as soon as you put the ships down on the table, it just makes sense. So uh, that's what I thought was – so when I read it at first, I'm like, oh, gosh, what did I get into? But after playing, like, one test game, I'm in, man. Like, it's it makes sense. It's easy to do. Um, it's, it's a not, little intimidating at first for sure, yeah. But it's really yeah, – it's, it's not – we tried to keep angles either. really easy. Uh, so a, a lot of other historical kind of war games, one thing they take into account and one thing I've, a couple of people have addressed me on historically is um, – so if, if you know anything about – I actually sail. I have a sailboat. And I live in Miami, Florida. I have an excellent area to sail all year round. I don't get to do yeah. it because of this business, but I do occasionally. But um, so I understand how all that works. So when the wind is hitting a ship from kind of like not directly behind it, but just off to the side. So pretty much anywhere along the side of the ship up to right behind it, you technically move faster, right? We don't have that in Okanagan because that would be another complicated angle to figure out. Yeah. And the reality is too that um, – it's these types of battles ships are typically not running with all of their sails set right so they can kind of pick and choose what sails they're using so based on whatever point they're at they can move the speed they want to move more or less um so it doesn't really come into play that much so the fact that the wind is on your quarter uh if you're at battle sails for example right isn't that significant because you could set a mainsail up or a, a course right on your foremast and that can kind of compensate and it won't be too much in the way of what you're trying to do. So that's kind of things if you read into, uh, I, I did, I studied a lot of the primary sources and, and manuals of the period to try to learn a lot of stuff. And a lot of that's, these are things that they would do and that would be taken into account. Right. So um, sorry. Uh, compressor. Yeah, I, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, no, it's great. I mean, I think I, I like the fact that, you know, it it sounds like to me, from what I've seen, you know, what Evans told me, what what I'm hearing now, is that it. I think you guys may have this really neat mix between, like, I I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't care about the history of the battles. Right. Um, I'm just really looking forward to getting the you know uh, ships, uh, uh, navies onto the table uh, in an X-wing like fashion. That's exactly. I mean that's what drew me to this, right? And many people, and, many people won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so, but, like, I like that the pirates are included in there. And I think even though maybe we can't do some of the more dramatic and amazing things that we do in a certain video game that Evan and I play, sure. uh, you know, I think it's still it still sounds like a ton of fun. And I know that, like, our guys, like Evan and a couple of the other guys from Fifth Trooper, have been playing on TTS and have just been, like, super impressed with the game. Cool. I'm glad glad you guys think so. Yeah, and, it's uh, nice that it's not fiddly. Like, right, it's kind of more laid back with the movement. Uh, and I think that's super cool, too. Because uh, we get a lot of new players, and uh, nothing feels bad than, uh, like, an X-Wing, right? You commit to a move. Part of the game is bluffing and that, like, where am I going to go? But they can... It's more forgiving uh, until it's not. <laughs> if they make a really bad move, like, then all cannons on that guy. But, like, they're not... It's, it's a lot more freeform, and I like how it's not uh, super, like... Um, like uh super uh i don't i guess fiddly i keep saying that word but like it's pretty smooth uh how everything works and like dice system makes sense like it's all very like streamlined and i like that cool yeah thanks and one, one thing that's for people who play x-wing if you're coming from x-wing into this game one of the things mm -hmm. one of the biggest things you're going to notice i think is pace um there's another uh there's, there's another uh, age of sale game that came out pretty recently that i think kind of missed that really badly uh, and that's an important thing, I think, when you're trying to when you're trying to convey sailing ships, is these things are not zipping around like motorboats. You know, they mm -hmm. move real slow. They're going about five miles an hour on average. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and um, so we part of the goal of the game was to convey that without it feeling slow and boring. It kind of feels more. Uh, I think. Uh, tell me if you agree with me, Evan, as you've played already. But it feels kind of more like uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, but. It's like it's kind of like you see you see things starting to unfold as you start moving and maneuvering, and you're scrambling to try to change courses and do things. That, you know, yes. so it's kind of uh, <laughs> actually I, I can't yes. A, I can't come up with the right term, but <laughs> I think you've no, it's probably explaining it well. You're really so it's right because the boats like you, even when you do a five and like and you're thinking all right we're gonna really pull across this map and you move you know like I, like the speeds all back so you're like oh five didn't go i thought i was fast it was gonna go but uh the thing about it is like when you start seeing things because you go back and forth so how the game works is uh you you play a card uh one player gets initiative and the initiative moves first shoots first um but there's other things that can adjust that but just for the general explanation um sure. but when you like sometimes you don't want to move first <laughs> right like so right. do i give it up or uh but yeah when you like those little, even the one movement, like, man, I don't want to move at all. Do I just drop anchor here? Like, how do I, like, how do I avoid this? Like that slow movement, like when you're far away, you're thinking, man, I'm never going to get there. And then as soon as you get to combat, like, oh my gosh, I'm going way too fast. Like, <laughs> like how do I, how do I pull this down? And it, you, like that speed where you're like, man, this is just getting me nowhere has become like so in, incredibly fast. You're like, oh, three is just, oh God, drop, you know, lower sail, drop, whatever we got to do, boys, like stop this ship. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how like it, it adjusts. Momentum. I think yeah, it's, yeah. It's a momentum. That's what I'm looking for. There you go. Yeah, it's so you know what it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I've been on this huge pirate kick lately, and I watched that TV show Black Sails, and right. there was like there was one part where they're on their ship, and there's the ship kind of in the distance, but it seemed close. And the captain's like, "How how long till that ship gets here?" And he's like, "I don't know, maybe two or three hours." And I was like. It's right there. <laughs> like, what are you... really so funny, funny thing about that, funny correlation, actually. 
the historical consultant for Black Sales is the same guy that we actually use for Blood and Plunder and for Oak and Iron. He's actually had, uh, his name is Benerson Little, and he writes some super awesome books. So if you want to learn about historical tactics and stuff that works that you can apply to the game directly, you can read his books. Like Sea Rover's Practice is a really good one. And he's um, he's written that. And that, that was kind of like my Bible for a long time for this game to, to, to learn the basics, especially for the privateering side, the smaller mm-hmm. ships. Um, so he's, uh, so yeah, we have a, we have a, a little bit of a connection with uh, Black Sails in that way. <laughs> well, I'm oh, glad I brought awesome. it up then. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. That was pure coincidence. Yeah, so a lot of that's the little ha- historical nuances that you'll find in that show that'll correlate yeah. to the game, you'll see, they'll tie in. We're using the same historical background. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, isn't that really, like, now that I'm kind of thinking about it and we're talking about it, I think that really is any type of entertainment, you know, I think anytime something's grounded a little bit in reality where that I feel like this is realistic, but I can still have the fantasy as well, but, but it's still grounded. I think that's where you're going to really touch people and get people interested in stuff. Um, And maybe, you know, and that's where I think a game like this can be successful is where it's like, okay, it's grounded in reality to a degree, but we understand, you know, as you guys, we understand that this is still a game. And, right, and we still need to have fun and play. Absolutely. It's a game first, but it is grounded in reality. That's that's yeah. what it is. That's a good way to put it. And and we've made some compromises, right? Like certain things that are realistic we have that we that we purposefully didn't include just because they muddled up a bunch of rules. Like for example, if two ships are boarding each other and they're entangled, you cannot fire those ships hmm. if there's a friendly ship involved. Because it just throws off if, if you go into like the end sequence and how you capture ships and all that stuff. It just makes it all super messy and complicated. We had it in originally because realistically they did it, but it just messed it messed up the whole kind of um, smoothness of that sequence. So we just took it out. Yeah, and it doesn't really affect. And now it adds kind of a little bit of a gaminess to that aspect of it. But at the end of the day, it plays better. So we made that compromise for the sake of play. So we put we put gameplay first for sure. Yeah, and so, like, kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit in some of those meetings. So, is it is that like is that when you sit down and you're like, okay, this is this is what I want to do. I want to create, you know, a sailing uh, historical naval battle game. I want it to be kind of like X Wing. And then do you go, okay, no matter what we do, we we need to meet two criteria: that it's a it's a game and it's historical. And then do you like set a, like a precedent? Like, do you say, but gaming always comes first over historical or is it like a line by line uh, decision? It's sort of line by line. Um, In some cases, some things are too important. Like for example, it would be, it would be a lot easier to take. And and in some cases they go hand in hand, right? Like the wind is a really good example. We can kind of just make wind super simple where if your ship is toward the wind, you slow down. If your ship's behind the wind, you go faster. And that would make the game a little more approachable and easier to play, right? But um, it's, one, not being able to sail directly into the wind is such a crucial and important part of sailing that it would feel wrong to leave it out. And two, it actually adds a really interesting element to the game. And those moments where you find yourself stuck in the wind, I don't know if that happened to you in your game, Evan, or not, but those sure moments has. when that happens, yeah. it can be frustrating. <laughs> It can be super frustrating, but it's also you can also use it to your advantage. You can get to a point where you can turn your ship into the wind and kind of keep yourself stuck there for a few turns and, and just unleash on your opponent <laughs> from yeah, a stationary a, uh, position. 
So I had the wind change on me in the middle of the game. So I had a great heading, and then uh, we did the. So what happens in uh, in this game is if you both hit the same initiative card, you draw a uh, an event, which is really neat. Actually, instead of just rolling a die, you draw an event to see. Okay, crazy thing happened. Wind changed on me, so it went from my back to my front, uh, and that Oof. got real scary real quick when five sloops showed up, uh, just like <laughs> zipped right by my one ship. I'm thinking, oh no. So no, that, that is super interesting. And it's a good, it's a cool idea. Yeah, so we tried to keep the wind again. So we simplified the wind. <clears throat> we made the arc so that you cannot sail within 45 degrees, right? It's a 90 degree all the way around. You can't go into. Um, but that is a pretty easy angle to see on the table. So it's not like a super – because realistically, a ship could sail probably about 55 degrees into the wind, right? Uh, so it's, it's not as it's, – it's not as um, – so we give you a little extra uh, room to sail in, mm. which makes it a little easier. And it's also much easier to see. 55 degrees is not easy to judge on the table. <laughs> you know? No, so, for real. Um, so 45 <laughs> makes a lot more sense. And then we got rid of the quartering aspect and things like that. So so we did simplify it to a degree for the sake of gameplay, but also in some in, in some cases for reality. And it's so in that in that way, it's line by line. So we kind of look at it point by point and see what works best. So let me ask you this, just kind of switch a little bit. So Evan has been playing uh, with some of our guys on TTS. Now, my understanding is that you guys have fully supported that mod. Is that right? Yeah, we made our own mod. Um, yep. Lillian Figueroa, our, our graphic artist, she took some time at the very beginning of the outbreak. And I said, uh, we are going to be inside for a long time. We need to do something to, to support the community in whatever way we can because the game just came out, you know, mm. and now nobody can play so, um, so we got the we got the our our, our sculptor Daniel also put some some the models together and kind of and kind of uh, crumbled them down in quality a little bit because we were a little worried people trying to steal them from there and start printing them and selling them on eBay yeah. things. So, but uh, but so anyway, we got that all together. We put it in there. Now we're working on scripting. We're trying to figure out scripting for the movement. Um, and we've we've been in touch with the tabletop simulator people, but I, I think they're just totally bogged down with work right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. And they're like, they're like oh, we're kind of busy, but we are interested. And that was that's the last I've heard. So, <laughs> uh, at, that, at some point, I'd like to get the full game in there with all the components. But I don't want to just put you know give everything away uh, and just kind of mm -hmm. make it easy. You know, it's, it would be a lot of work on our end, first of all. And uh, and we have a lot of other projects currently in the works, so. I don't think we'd have the yep. time to do a full, full uh, line of things. But there's been some people in the community who've gotten stuff and and, uh, and modified it and added extra things and stuff like that. So, which is cool. It makes it more. Yeah, fun. and I think not just because of what's happening in the world, but I think longevity-wise, I, I I honestly don't see. Um, this is just my thought process on it, but like I don't see because there's a tabletop simulator version of the game that your like your sales would drop right like yeah. i think i think the i think it would happen actually. yeah agreed mm -hmm. that's my thinking that's why i was kind of i wanted to move quickly to get it out and right actually right now we're running a um, on the facebook group which is the oak and iron i forgot what it's called now <laughs> the oak and iron um i think it's called gamer group oh. oak and iron gamer group and i go there several times a day i can't remember the name of it. But um, pretty sure it's Oak and Iron Gamer Group. But if you search Oak and Iron on Facebook, you'll find it pretty easily. Listen, um, he's a busy man, everybody. All right, like he's got a lot. Yeah, it's the Oak and Iron yes, exactly. Gamer so, Group. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
in that group, we started an online campaign now. So a campaign system is something we'd planned on including in the game. We've started working on it. So we kind of made a, a slimmed down version of it and we put that online for free. And then we're just, we're now we've, we're running a, a campaign. So I played my first game yesterday. <clears throat> I'm in, I'm playing in it as well. And I got my butt kicked, unfortunately. But, uh, <laughs> we won't talk about that part, but um, so we're, we're, we're supporting it. You know, we're, we're trying to do as much as we can with it and continuing to uh, improve it. And so if you're interested and you want to join the group, it's completely free. The, the rule book for the game is free on our website. You go just look at the rule book and see if you're interested. And you can just jump on there and play. It's it's totally a beginner-friendly sort of campaign. And um, so, you know, people are kind of helping each other learn as we go. So it's not anything super competitive. And anybody who plays at least five games in the campaign, I think is what I said, we're going to we're gonna raffle off a starter set or core set for the game. Speaking so of... You were kind enough to send us a core set to raffle off as well. So what we're going to do is if you go to the fifth trooper.com slash giveaway, we will have a form up there for you to fill out and uh, sign up for the giveaway for uh, Oak and Iron Core set ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be exciting. But, you know, I'm let me ask you this. What so what's the. Uh, What's the dream with Oak and Iron long term? Do you see this as a, a competitive, a competitive scene in the future where we could potentially go to like an Adepticon or a Nova and play in a in a large scale tournament? I certainly hope so. Yeah, I enjoy, I very much enjoy that side of gaming. I also enjoy just casual uh, uh, type of play. I really love campaign sort of games. But I'm also very competitive as a player, and you know I don't take myself too seriously with it either. But um, but I do like that aspect of it, and I think that it's a really good thing for a game in general. I think it helps create, uh, keeps community alive and going. I think I think a competitive scene does that more than anything else, really. For, with with a few exceptions, games like maybe Frostgrave and Mordheim um, that have pretty big followings even to this day. Um, those are kind of outliers, but I think most games that have that do well long term typically have some some semblance of a competitive scene. Even mm-hmm. other historical games like Bolt Action, mm-hmm. which is probably not the best game suited to a competitive scene, but you know people do that all the time. The games, but it's right. uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's done quite well, primarily for that reason, I think. So um, same thing with Blood and Plunder. We hope Blood and Plunder, especially once we get the plastics out, will lend itself more to a to a competitive thing and we've, we've had quite a bit of success with it not as not as much as i'd like but it's we we do run tournaments and we've gotten some we've gotten some pretty big tournaments going for for us anyway you know 20 hmm. 30 players on, on occasion that's awesome yeah um and we've always so, tried to keep them beginner friendly so we keep them the game points smaller so it's less to paint less to have you can just yeah. kind of buy a starter box and play but we'll, we'll probably start shifting that to more to larger games as we grow the community more on both ends yeah, I love that. I think, I think because that, I mean, you know, obviously we we've we were doing Legion competitively, but also I like both aspects, and I think that's what FFG does well with Legion is that it they have the competitive aspect, but then they also have the casual, right? And I think for any game to be successful broadly, mm-hmm. you have to have a little bit of both in order to to reach the masses. I agree. Yeah, yeah. and and on the uh, and on the more casual side, we have so we have an organized play that we had ready to put ready to be put together and throw out there in the world. But then of course all this happened and messed yeah. it all up for us. So we kind of shifted our focus elsewhere. But we had a. Um, 
we had a big kind of online campaign that was going to tie in with Blood and Plunder. And so Blood and Plunder is going to be more on the land aspect and coastal stuff. And then Oak and Iron was going to be our kind of sea control for the mm. campaign with maps and stuff. We were going to do that alongside with the uh, on tabletop guys. But I think we're going to push that back to next year now. And we'll probably come up with something different for organized play as, uh, as, as store stuff starts to open up around the country. Um, and, I love it. But we also have, again, like the campaign I mentioned, we're going to have a full expansion for that campaign, which will be a little more in-depth with more options and things. It'll have a box with all its own stuff. Um, similar to what FFG has done in the past with, um, with Armada, which mm. campaigns were pretty cool. This will be a little more... Uh, a little different from that, but the same kind of idea, more or less. And uh, cool. and we're also going to do some historical scenarios for people to, mm-hmm. to participate. So we're kind of set battles of, of different types that happen. So you could just get a bunch of ships together and set them up as described and just go right at it and have a, a big game and blow each other up. And- I wonder if you could even, like... I, I don't know if this is crazy, but like I would love this. I don't know about anybody else, so I'm just gonna bring it up for me. But uh, you know, like some of those battles in uh, Black Sails, like that would be fun to do some of those too. Yeah, well, those would be more along. Those would be more in the realms of Blood and Plunder. Yeah. Uh, so because Blood and Plunder is more, we have you know, the, you there is a full sailing game within Blood and Plunder. It's integrated. It's fully like amphibious. You can play land, sea, or in between. Right. You can jump off your ship and go ashore. And it's seamless. So the uh, a big part of Blood and Plunder is you're sailing the ship and you got a lot of the same a lot of the sailing from Oak and Iron comes from Blood and Plunder, so you've got that in there. And then, but at the same time, you have the aspect of the crew, right? So you're managing your right. crew. There, it's very Blood and Plunder is kind of a, in a, in a, in several ways similar to Legion, where you've got card activations that less pips is is faster but more act, but less actions. That whole mm. that whole thing we did it first. I'm pretty sure Legion totally stole it from us. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, you heard it. You heard it. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Ours is a little different. And he uses regular playing cards. But um, yeah. but yeah, same kind of idea. And then you know, units. Uh, uh, Legion has um, um, suppression. We have fatigue. It's the same kind of idea. Uh, very similar. And the mechanic, mechanic wise, a little different, but more or less same idea. And you're managing actions and you're alternating, activating units. You have commanders who give you boosts and gives you extra points to do things. So it's kind of Blood and Plunder is very much the kind of black sails experience where you're playing like mm. a ship's captain, sailing yeah. the ship, managing the crew, kind of mo- trying to motivate them to keep fighting when they're when they're heavily fatigued, which, you know, that's our suppression, like I said. Then. Well, it sounds like we're definitely going to have to talk about that game on another podcast because <laughs> now that's all I can think about. Uh, I think I may have invested in the wrong game, Mike. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got to go back to your website. We, do have, uh, we are in the process. Again, another thing that COVID messed up for us. We were just about to finish it up, and then the guy who was mainly working on it got, uh, you know, he got full-time uh, COVID activities in mm. his job. So... He, um, but the uh, we have some crossover rules where you get a little bit of both, right? So oh, you okay. can use your oak and iron ships along with your blood and plunder stuff, and and kind of get a little bit of a hybrid system. And it's really more of kind of like a, it's sort of like a more detailed sailing for blood and plunder, and then at the same time, sort of simplified force building with oak and iron, but with more detail on the crew because you get the blood and plunder crew aspect. So it's looking really cool, and hopefully we'll finish it soon. But it'll be out before the end of the year for sure. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So here's the real question. 
that I need to ask you, and we need a truthful answer here. I'll do my best. So, so since you have this company uh-huh. and you do this, you know, basically making money now, is your wife any more understanding of your uh, <laughs> obsession with gaming? Not any more understanding, but more tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> wait you mean there's money in this okay no, all right not really, not really there's not a whole lot of money coming out of this i'll tell you that right now right <laughs> we still haven't really turned the profit but we're working our way there we're getting there slowly but it but i am getting a paycheck to, you know not a not a big paycheck not as big right. as hers but uh <laughs> thank you that. that's that's the reason i could do full time right her paycheck is much bigger so thank, oh, thank goodness for that <laughs> but, uh, uh yeah uh, no that's it's funny i just you know we always talk so you know i always talk about rachel on the podcast and <laughs> how her her understanding of of my obsessions wanes depending on the day and what what the obsession is and so it's just yes. it's fun to hear how everybody else does it too oh, yes yes i have a I am a man of many interests, and very few of them my wife tolerates. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Evan, I don't know. Do you have any more questions? Uh, no, man. I think it's good. Um, I'm excited to uh, get some more. Like, uh, you know, current way things are, uh, I'm excited to get some more uh, TTS in. But uh, what's nice about the game is, so normally my my dad humors me when I play games with him. He'll like like uh, like <laughs> Memoir Forty Four or something where it's got a, a mil- if I can tie it to like a World War Two movie um, or something of that nature, I can do that. Um, but with this game, I'm like, hey, we can do like Master and Commander. You can play like uh, you know those guys like English, and I can do whatever. And he's like, I'm in. I'm like, oh, okay. So all right. So I actually uh, actually get some bonding time with my dad playing a game, <laughs> which is uh, rare. That's awesome. uh, so I'm actually really excited. Yeah, I, I, that was the biggest thing for me was, uh, you know, I was playing with my my friends in our group and they were having a good time, but to actually get something that my uh, that I get my dad to play with me was like double double down on it for me. So I'm I'm in, man. <laughs> yeah, this game has created some miracles in that regard. So this is the game that a lot of people can get their wives to actually play with them, wives and girlfriends. There's been I'm surprised at the number of posts on our fan group where mm. people get the game and they're playing with their wife and our girlfriend, and they don't look completely miserable. So yeah. that's probably the <laughs> that's the big one. There's right? something there. Yeah. My my wife actually played it with me a couple times and seemed to actually enjoy it. So uh, I'll say over the weekend, I was about if we weren't so busy, I was five minutes away from having Rachel play, and she literally said to me, "She goes, I like Star Wars. Like she, you know, she'll watch Star Wars with me. She goes, but I'm way more interested in pirates and ships." And so she's like, so if there's ever a game, I'll end up sitting down and playing. This is the one. And I was like, all right. It's magic, man. I don't know what it is. I didn't do that on purpose. It's just something that crept in. (laughs) Um, But all right. Well, cool, man. Thank you so much for joining us. I definitely want to have you back on and talk Oak and Iron because now I'm – uh, thorough, or I'm sorry, oh. Blood and Plunder, because now I'm thoroughly in, in looking at that going, oh, wait, I want this too now. So <laughs> uh, so we'll have to have it back on so we can talk both games and maybe when you get the campaigns going and stuff, we can have you on and we can talk about that. Sure. And we've got a, um, so right now, tentatively, I'm probably announcing this prematurely, but our excellent our uh, our kickstarter for this year for the plastics uh we have we're doing a two-player starter set for blood and plunder we're also moving the timeline forward on it right now it's like a 17th century thing mostly focusing mm-hmm. on the era of the buccaneers because frankly they're just uh it's it's much better suited to wargaming 
but we are now moving toward um, the 18th century. So we're going to do a whole bunch of the famous pirates such as Blackbeard. All, basically every character that was in Black Sails that is not from Treasure Island. Yep. We represented in the uh, oh my god as a in the in the game and um we're doing a two-player starter all in hard plastic with ships and crews and it's basically blackbeard's last battle against uh lieutenant maynard mm. and that's the theme of the set so you got a blackbeard in there you get maynard you got two small sloops you got a crew dice rule books etc etc um oh man that'll be great yeah, as well as some new 18th century soldiers and and uh, a few other things so Tentatively, right now, we're looking at July uh, 7th. Ooh, it was supposed oh, to be okay. May, but um, for those yeah. uh, for those who don't know, uh, who aren't following Oak and Iron, unfortunately, we had some issues with shipping, mm-hmm. where the shipping company we were using has, uh, they, they, they failed to get a pallet onto the boat when it was supposed to leave in, mm-hmm. uh, in early January. And then um, we didn't find out about this until the boat landed essentially. Uh, so all of the it. orders that were supposed to be for the EU, uh, out of um, out of several, I think it was out of like 400 or 500 or so, uh, 40 made it. <laughs> oh, wow. So that ship has, is, is now getting ready to land in France if it hasn't already, or I think it's in France, maybe Spain. I think it's going to Spain and then getting trucked to France. Something like that. Anyway. Um, so that is now arriving sometime soon. So the reason we pushed the Kickstarter back is we didn't want to uh, have a Kickstarter live yeah. while people are still waiting for their stuff. Like, of course. Obviously, that's, that, that sucks. So, because that's super sketchy. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think people know <laughs> that it's it was out of our – like the, the COVID – because we were trying to get the, the thing on a plane. We're like, we'll get it on a plane. We'll get it there next week. You know? Right. But, but then the, the COVID situation made that impossible. Unfortunately, yep. so we weren't able to, to put the bandaid on it to fix it, dude. So yeah, yeah. So we were doing mats, and and you know, just a little behind the curtains for our listeners, we do six by four battlefield mats, mm-hmm. and I was trying to get a, an order to Australia, and generally, let's say that shipment by air from China would have been like four or five hundred bucks. They're like, yeah, that's three grand now, and I was yeah, like, no, the, the what? Is, so we were gonna, we were ready to pay. I think it was about. I think it was about six thousand, and we were we were we were gonna do it. We were because we didn't yeah. want to. We wanted to get that. We were over. This project is already late. We, I just needed. I need to be able to sleep at night, and I can't sleep. At, I haven't slept. I still haven't slept. I'm waiting to sleep. So once this gets delivered to Europe, I can sleep. So the I'm like I don't care. We're gonna pay whatever it is. I don't care what it costs us. It, it could be it could be fifty thousand dollars, which I can't actually afford. But I figured out. I just need to get it there. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, but the but at that point France completely shut down, so sending it there wasn't going to do anything, you know. So we weren't able to because that's where our distribution center is over there. It's in France. Right. So, um, so we're we got crazy, stuck. Man. We got stuck and just had to wait. Nothing we could do. Right. So. Yep. So hopefully that'll start shipping um, either late this month or, or early June. Mm-hmm. That's what, <clears throat> excuse me. That's what we're waiting on. And um, so once that, so hopefully by the time July seventh rolls around, it'll all be complete. Knock on wood, there will be no more issues, yeah. and uh, we get this thing in everybody's hands, and the game will be available globally. Um, so I know, I know everybody in the EU is still locked down right now. Anyway, they wouldn't really, they they can at least paint their stuff, but that that's yeah. about as far as they can go. Yeah, it's a weird time. <laughs> yeah, super weird. But, um, <laughs> anyway, so but, to all the people well, in the cool. EU, we're doing our best. We're on top of it. We're trying to get it. Yeah, I promise. 
I really He's working on it. <laughs> We're all struggling here, man. Yeah. Uh, but, well, dude, thank you so much for all the insight and the talk and, and I guess that little spoiler there at the end. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, real quick, I'd like to just plug my stuff if I can. So we have two other games as well. Have, no. Uh, Blood and Valor. Yeah. <laughs> World War One games. I'm just going to go on. That was a... That was a <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, yeah. Me out. It's fine. Uh, we have Blood and Valor, which is a World War One skirmish game. We've released a rule set for that. Um, our friends at Phalanx Consortium, we've licensed official miniatures to them for that game. It's just outside of our bandwidth to make miniatures for it. But that's, that's basically mm-hmm. based on Blood and Plunder. So it's World War One kind of skirmish fighting, which is pretty cool. Uh, right off right off the heels of, um, of 1940, uh, 1914. Or seventeen, whatever that movie is called. Sorry. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So if you're, you know, that's another cool game. Another one we have is Scurvy Dice, which is just a kind of um, dice rolling board game kind of game. And you roll dice, you build a ship, you race for treasure. It's just kind of a fun thing. So check those out. Uh, FirelockGames.com is our website. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out our check us out on Facebook, of course, Instagram, mm-hmm. and uh, we have our Blood and Plunder Buccaneer across the Spanish main group for that. Oak and Iron Gamer Group, like we mentioned, then you can find us at all those places. Awesome. Well, yeah, everyone, please go spend your money with them. <laughs> yes, please. I encourage this. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Mike. Appreciate it. No problem. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right, everybody, we will catch you next week. Everyone, stay red. Join us next week for another edition of the Fifth Trooper Podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.